Disrupting Japan, Episode 78. Disrupting Japan is sponsored by Wall and Case. If you've ever tried to hire staff in Japan, you know how crazy it can be. I mean, there are over 3,000 recruiting firms here, and they're all telling you pretty much the same thing. Well, the guys at Wall and Case are different. When you're coming into Japan, they'll sit down and work out a long-term hiring strategy with you. Is it best to start with a country manager or perhaps a head of partner sales? Maybe the first step is really a community manager. Now, I've known the team at Wall and Case for a long time, and they've worked with a lot of the companies that have been on this show and with some of the world's biggest brands as well. So if you're hiring in Japan, you really should talk to Wall and Case. Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Miwa Tanaka, the CEO of Waris, is working hard to make things better for women in Japan. The changing roles of Japanese women in both startups and large enterprises is something we talk quite a bit about on Disrupting Japan, and Miwa has a unique perspective on this subject. Waris is a platform that is helping Japanese women who've quit their jobs to have children rejoin the workforce. Now, of course, we talk about the social and business conventions that result in Japanese women having to quit their jobs to have children in the first place. But often the best solutions to these kind of social problems are small, steady improvements. And that's what Miwa is trying to do. In fact, hearing Miwa explain what Waris is shows us a microcosm of women in Japanese business. The difficulties women face, the kind of roles they've traditionally been placed into, and also how those roles and the traditional employment structure are changing. But more important, perhaps, how Japanese women themselves are choosing to adapt to, work around, and occasionally simply walk away from those restrictions. And, as Miwa explains, another sign that things are getting better here in Japan is that Waris has a steady stream of corporate customers who are asking for diversity training. I think that this is a sign, much like it was with previous guests who discussed the demand for open innovation and LGBT sensitivity training, that corporate Japan wants to change. I think that much of corporate Japan, and the government as well, are sincere in their efforts to make things better, but as Miwa explains, sometimes those changes come painfully slowly. But Miwa tells that story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsors and get right to the interview. Kotowork is doing something pretty cool. It's a community of Japanese language students who want to work at Japanese companies with global ambitions. Kotowork also trains them in business culture, Japanese hospitality, and a bit of global marketing. And since it's a real community, Kotowork is always there for both candidates and companies to solve cultural misunderstandings and the hundreds of other little problems that can come up when foreigners work for a Japanese company. Kotowork has a wonderful, long-term, community-based approach to making sure everything runs smoothly, and you should really check them out at kotowork.jp. So I'm sitting here with Miwa Tanaka, the co-founder and the CEO of Waris. So thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. 
Now, Warris is an online job matching service to help women continue their career after they've had children. But I'm sure you can explain it much better than I can. So why don't you tell us about what Warris does? Okay, thank you. Uh, Warris is a job matching company for women who have professional skill sets. And we connect their skill sets with Japanese companies through a flexible work schedule, like a three days work a week or working remotely. Is it、uh, telecommuting? Is it part time? What's the usual situation? Oh, well, sometimes they work at their clients and also they work at their home. Okay, so it's both, both, both situations. Yes, both situations. And is it usually、uh, part time work or are there some full time? Mostly they, they are part time workers. As you know, almost 60% of women quit their jobs after giving birth in Japan.、Right. Because in most Japanese companies, we have to work so long hours, and it makes women very difficult to keep on working. Actually, a little later on, I want to get back. Into and explore in detail、mm-hmm. about this, this、mm-hmm. dynamic、mm-hmm. of women having to leave the workplace and trying to come back in. But for now, are these jobs permanent jobs or are they jobs that last for a few months? The average is seven months. So it's a kind of project work by contract. They are independent contractor or the people who want to be an independent contractor. I see. So it's, it's kind of halfway between a crowdsourcing platform and a job site. It's sort of in the middle there.、Uh, yes, that's right. We are not crowdsourcing. We are agent for、uh, such women who would like to work by contract. Are most of the people using Warris using it as a stepping stone to get back into the job market, or are they using it as a way to get part time work? 30% of our registrants、uh, they are searching jobs and they would like to go back workforce. So, does that mean they're using Warris just as a temporary step before going back full time? Yes, that's right. That's right. And also, 20% of them are freelancers. And they're just using the Warris platform to, to get more jobs. To, to get jobs. more jobs and to get new clients. Okay.、Mm-hmm. But, but in Japan, independent contractors is still rare, and it's a little bit challenging for them to work with their clients. They tend to be weaker than clients. They don't negotiate for as high a fee as they could? Yes, that's right. Many of Japanese women are not so good at negotiating. This is something that is very true in the United States as well.、Mm-hmm. Oh,、uh, really? Women in general tend to be weaker negotiators、mm-hmm. than men. I, I think it's a, a global phenomenon.、Uh-huh. Oh, but really? it, it、oh, really? probably is more extreme in Japan just、mm-hmm. because those social pressures are so much、uh-huh. stronger here. Yes, yes. Let's take a step back for a minute. Let me ask you a little about,、mm-hmm. about you. Uh huh, okay. You worked in magazine publishing、yes. before starting Waris. So,、yes. what made you leave publishing and want to start your own company? 
before starting Wowries, I worked as a writer and ed editor over 10 years, and I belonged to a magazine named Nikkei Women. This is a magazine for working Japanese working women. I interviewed a lot of Japanese working women, and I found how difficult for them to keep on working in Japan. What made it difficult for them to continue working? The working long hours. It's a Japanese traditional working way. In many companies, we have to work not only eight hours, but also maybe 10 hours oh, or- Yes, crazy overtime. Yes, 12 hours. It's really common in Japan. Women have their children, um, their limited hours, by taking care of children, it makes them very difficult for working as usual. It's a big jump from noticing a trend to leaving your job and starting up a new company. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to, to make that jump? The biggest incident was earthquake of 3.11. The, How can the you March say in 2011, uh, yes. the Fukushima earthquake. It was a, a kind of in incident to me to decide this kind of life change because at the earthquake, I stayed at Tokyo, but as you know, Tokyo is not the center of the earthquake, but it was a really big event. Because of the earthquake, I thought about my career or my future, and I realized that the life is not uh, everlasting. I mean, suddenly it would be stopped yeah. by such a kind of earthquake. Life was only once. So I would like to do uh, what I really would like to. So was starting a company something you wanted to do from a long time ago? No. When I was working as a publishing company, uh, we worked with a lot of freelancers. I would like to be a freelancer, but I didn't think about starting our business as a company. Okay. And why did you decide on a company to help working moms get back mm -hmm. into the workforce? Mm -hmm. I thought I'd like to support women to keep on working. They thought exactly same. We started to talk about how can we do that. Are any of you working mothers yourselves? One of us, her name is Fumika-san. She is a mother. Okay, so it was a, it was a problem that was really right in front of you and well understood. Mm -hmm. You mentioned before about some of the difficulties women have in continuing to work when they have children. Mm -hmm. the, the long hours and such. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the difficulties they face in going back to work, oh, well. both the practical and the, the social aspects? Mm -hmm. In many Japanese companies, you can work as a part-time work. But if you work as a part-time worker, your job would be quite limited. I mean... Yeah, there's no way to advance your career. Mm, yes, that's right. Maybe it's a little bit difficult for you to get um, the appropriate 
evaluation about your job from your boss and from your colleagues. It's a Japanese traditional way, way of evaluate. So a woman coming back into the workforce part-time wouldn't be given responsibilities or yes, that's right. wouldn't be able to use her skills uh-huh. as she did before she left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you have some career blanks, it would be much difficult for you to go back to workforce. In Japanese companies, especially the HR, do not evaluate uh their career blank. I think in U.S., maybe if you have a career blank, you can be back to the workforce. That's true. In America, it is much easier to pick up where you left off mm-hmm. to continue. In Japan, it, it is difficult. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, Morris is a job matching site. Mm-hmm. And I mean, perhaps it's a simple way of explaining it. But it sounds like the goal is more of building a community mm-hmm. of finding ways of, of helping women mm-hmm. do this kind of employment permanently. We would like to support people to, to keep on working the way you would like to do. If they'd like to work as a permanent worker, of course we'd like them to do that. And of course, if they would like to work as a part-time, we would like to support them. Do you know how many of the Waris users want to go back full-time and how many are trying to uh-huh. build a, a uh, freelance like, career? That's really interesting to us. Almost 50% of them would like to work as a freelancer. Just 10% of them would like to work as a full-time. Wow, so only 10% have any desire to go back mm-hmm. and work full-time. Mm-hmm. Other 40%, they don't care about full-time or part-time, but they they do like to work more freely. They don't care about the place or time or... I think this is something that a lot of Japanese are discovering, whether it is women who've recently had children and are trying to go back to the workforce or whether it's new college graduates. A lot of Japanese are deciding that the freelance lifestyle is very appealing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Becoming freelancer is getting one of the career paths for Japanese people, especially Jap- young Japanese 20s or 30s yeah. people. And it's amazing to look at how different it is now because only 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the Japanese politicians were complaining about the, the needs. Uh-huh and saying they were bad for the economy and everyone should go back and work. And now, from Abe on down, everyone is saying, no, freelancers are important for the economy, Mm -hmm. they're the future of Japan. Yes, yes, you know very well. That's right. Even in METI, even in Japanese government, they have kind of special workshop to think about how they can develop the freelancers. It's amazing how quickly attitudes can change mm-hmm. in Japan. That's right. We often hear the word working style revolution. Yeah. It's really a new word. Okay, so there are more than 3,500 women that are registered on this. What sort of skills are most in demand now? 
Um, the most popular one is PR and marketing. And is it the more traditional style of Japanese PR and marketing, or is it the more modern social media marketing? Uh, some of them are, are professional about traditional PR, but some of them have a professional skill sets about web marketing. That makes sense. I mean, that's something that's very in demand now、mm. by a lot of companies. Yes, that's right. And on the, the client side, is there a particular industry you're targeting,、mm-hmm. a particular type of business that、mm-hmm. uses Waris? 70% of them startups. 70% are startups? Yes, that's right. They have really limited resources, so they, they'd like to. Get the professional, you know, they, they do not need a full time professional. They would like to use professional temporary or as a project work. That is so encouraging, in that over the last five years, we've really seen a startup ecosystem developing in Tokyo、mm-hmm. where there are more and more startups whose client base are other startups.、Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas 15 years ago, that would have been impossible.、Mm-hmm. There weren't enough startups for it.、Mm-hmm. For the workers, are they mostly in the cities, in the suburbs? Or are they in the countryside? Where are they? Almost all women are living in Tokyo or around Tokyo. From last year, we started our business in Nagoya and Fukuoka as well. So we have a small number of women. In these two areas. From the, the client side, the customer acquisition, the hiring companies,、mm-hmm. there are lots and lots of recruiting companies in Japan.、Mm-hmm. There are lots of kind of crowdfunding sites. Why do companies look to Waris? Why do they want to hire women for these positions? I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't hire women for these positions,、mm-hmm. but Waris is a women only、mm-hmm. jobs matching.、Mm-hmm. So, what is the attraction of Waris and hiring these women over any of the other sites? I think one of the biggest p o i n t is professional by contract. In some cases, they'd like to work with female professional. I mean, if they'd like to create some kind of new product for women, they'd like to. Work with female professionals who have、uh, appropriate knowledge about marketing or PL. So, many of your clients as well are companies that are targeting women? Not all, but some of them are, yes. Okay. So, you and your co founders launched this,、uh, wow, I guess almost four years ago now, 2013? Yes, yes 2013. April. Okay, so you've been growing fast since then.、Mm-hmm. But with recruiting and job boards and everything so competitive in Japan and everywhere, how did you get the word out? What was your marketing strategy both to reach the women who wanted jobs and to reach the clients and companies who could employ them? We were focusing on the professional women. The average age of the registrants is 38. So it's a kind of, they could be a kind of leaders and managers. 
they have really professional skill sets. So. And, and how did you reach them? How did they find out about you? Did you do social media? Was uh-huh. it articles uh-huh. and magazines? Still now, 30% of them are coming by the word of mouth. Really? The, yes, yes. Because uh, when we started our business, we the co-founders were searching these kind of targets around us among our friends or the friends of, of them. Okay, so really just networking and calling up friends and going to events and things mm-hmm. like that. Yes, that's right. So face-to-face and we talked uh, our passion about this business and we get touch with this kind of women. In Japan, they didn't have such a kind of service. So we were really rare and we were really attractive for them. So they they talk with their friends about us. Well, that's fantastic when, when word of mouth can drive that much business and that much growth. Yes, and of course we uh, used uh, social media and of course we approached a lot of Japanese old media like TV, magazine, newspaper and a lot of writers and editors were really interested in our business because our business was really helpful for Japanese society. Okay, so you got a lot of very positive press attention and word of mouth and that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You have a, a community of, of working women together on the platform. Do you monetize in other ways than simply job matching? Do you run events? Do you do affiliate sales? Currently, um, job matching is our main business, but we also have a consulting service for Japanese companies to promote diversity. What do those engagements look like? What what kind of consulting? As you know, in many Japanese companies, they are really positive to do diversity event or diversity measures. But on the other hand, some of them feel kind of difficulty for them to do that. What does diversity mean in Japan? Ah. So coming from America, I think I have a very different idea of what diversity means. So when, when your clients say they, they want consulting and training in diversity, what do they want? That is a really interesting point. But in Japan, diversity mainly means how to promote women, kind of women's empowerment. You know, we have a lot of knowledge about how to promote women or how to cope with Japanese women's career. What are the biggest problems that women face in that environment? So you you mentioned before about having to leave their career to take care of the children, but what other challenges do women face in Japan? Working long hours is one of the biggest challenges for them um, because working long hours is is quite Mm. Well, it's a big part of the business culture here. Yes, yes, mm. that's right. So makes them so difficult to keep on working. 
And evaluation system is really related with this kind of culture. So if you can work long hour, you will be evaluated more in Japanese companies. Right. Being there in the office counts for a whole lot in Japan. Yes, that's right. So do you try to get the companies to reduce over time and to shift、mm -hmm. their evaluation onto other metrics? We have some kind of workshop for diversity. These are all things I would love to see change, but these are very deep parts of Japanese business mm -hmm, culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you see it changing? Yes, it's changing because Prime Minister Mr. Abe is saying that we have to change this kind of culture. And Japanese government as well, they are really、uh, focusing on this topic. And in Japanese culture, Japanese big companies are really looking at the act of Japanese government. So, if Prime, so Prime Minister and Japanese government is focusing on work style revolution, Japanese big companies, they are、uh, thinking about. Seriously, I think that's very true in Japan. I, I think it's happening with with startups as well. Having Abe talk about the importance of startups means that big companies are more willing to work with startups.、Mm -hmm. Well, also after the the 2011 earthquake, I remember it was amazing. Just simply, the prime minister said, "We have a target of reducing energy consumption by 20 percent,"、mm -hmm. and there was no real program. There was no real Plan. There were no penalties, but the businesses in Tokyo reduced it by like twenty-three percent. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It's amazing things happen when when people can be focused、mm -hmm. on making a change.、Mm -hmm. I think so. And Prime Minister and Japanese government is really focusing on this area, and they think that. Japanese work style is a big problem to this society. I agree. Well, hopefully, we'll see that change take root. Well, let me ask you about kind of Japan in general. Most women entrepreneurs I know absolutely hate being asked about being a women, woman entrepreneur. So I normally don't ask it, but in your case, I'm going to make an exception because your entire company is about. Empowering women, helping women get back into the workforce. It was founded by a team of three women. So, have you faced some of the difficulties as an entrepreneur that you find women face in Japan going back into the workforce? For me, I didn't have such a kind of difficulty to be a female entrepreneur in Japan. But I think female entrepreneurs. Have less role models compared with male entrepreneurs, and also male entrepreneurs have a ordinary、uh, network. Of course, female entrepreneurs have also such a kind of network, but I think female entrepreneurs' network is small and less than male one. Well, there are fewer women entrepreneurs than men entrepreneurs,、uh, whether it's in in the U.S. or in Japan. That's definitely true.、Mm -hmm. Have you found that there are advantages to it? Does it make it easier to get press attention? 
I think so. It is a really upside for female entrepreneurs to get attention from Japanese press because there are few. So. Well, I don't, th- this is one thing that I've been somewhat surprised by. Um, so I've noticed that the Nikkei and other newspapers and magazines like to write articles about women entrepreneurs in Japan and say it's very unusual. But the fact is there's a lot of women entrepreneurs in Japan. Uh, I think probably 20% of the people who've been on the show have been women. Mm-hmm. It seems like the press is always surprised at something that's not that unusual anymore. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think in these days, uh, the social trend of Japanese women's empowerment makes it happen. Yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's been great for Waris. And, <laughs> that's uh, right. We talked before about, well, and in fact, Waris itself is built on the whole concept of women being attracted to a more freelancing lifestyle. Do you think more and more Japanese women are being attracted to the entrepreneurial lifestyle? I think so, because freelance and entrepreneurs are really good career paths for women. Because when you work as a freelancer or entrepreneur, you can decide anything you like. I mean, sure, you're in control of yes, you, your schedule. You're in control of what jobs you take. You can manage. So, such a freedom of management is really good for women. Listen, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to talk about? Is there anything that I should have asked you but haven't asked you yet? I really think Japanese society is changing right now. So this time is a really chance for us, a big opportunity for us to expand our business. So how do you see it changing? In terms of freelance or in terms of independent contractor, maybe three years ago or four years ago, the volume of this kind of information was less. But maybe from last year, the trend is getting bigger and bigger. As an, as an example, in METI, in Japanese government, last November they started to have a kind of working group. And in that working group, they were talking about how to increase or how to develop freelancers in, in Japan. In Japanese government, it's yeah. a really um, surprising. <laughs> it is. It really is. To us. It makes sense now that they understand it. The, the freelancers provide a tremendous flexible workforce for both startups and mid-sized and even large companies. And from the freelancer point of view, as you mentioned, it can be much more pleasant to work as a freelancer than to work in a typical Japanese company. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. Mm-hmm. If I gave you a magic wand mm-hmm. and I said you could change one thing about Japan, uh-huh. anything at all, mm-hmm. the education system, the mm-hmm. attitude towards risk, mm-hmm. uh, the way people think about women, mm-hmm. anything at all, to make it better for startups in Japan, mm-hmm. what would you change? To change people's mind, to take risk, because I think more people 
take risks, Japanese society could be more exciting and more creative. What kind of risks should people be taking? For example, to be a freelancer, to be an entrepreneur, to, to join the startups, try to the new world or try to the new step. Why do you think people aren't taking those risks today? Do you think it's social pressure? Do you think they're worried about their financial future? What do you think is stopping them? The Japanese education system and also the financial pressure. When I was a writer, I interviewed a lot of Japanese working women and they were really afraid about their future. Even they were 20s. They were really worrying about it, you know. So. Yeah. so you think it's just part of it's just a cultural habit of worrying? <laughs> okay. I think so. Japanese people should be more challenging and take risks. I think so too. But I think certainly in the last five or ten years, I think we're seeing more and more people taking risks and bigger and bigger risks. <laughs> I think so. It was a really good trend. I hope that would be more. I do as well. Okay, Miwa, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was really, it was a really exciting time to me. Your journey to success in Japan will involve some twists and turns. In trying to navigate new terrain, planning the safest, most effective way through on your own can be overwhelming. The Carter Group have been using market intelligence and research to guide Japan entrants for decades. They've honed an agile, cost-effective, but consultative approach that will help you find the perfect product market fit, explore user and consumer dynamics, and act as an honest broker to let you know the reputation and track record of potential partners here in Japan. And when you're ready to go... Their executive search team can also help you hire the right people to drive your business forward. So if you haven't got Japan completely figured out yet, the Carter Group can help you out. If you're a startup thinking about Japan, you'll never really understand the opportunities here until you start to take a serious look at what's happening outside of Tokyo. Osaka in particular deserves your attention, and this is especially true if you and your team are involved in smart cities technologies. Now, Hankyu's GVH5 project is Osaka's Startup Central, and it's a great place for you to get started. They offer co-working space, bilingual business support, venture investment, and they're at the center of a great international startup and mentor community. Now, Hankyu's GVH5 in Osaka really deserves your attention. So pay him a visit at www.gvh-5.com en. You'll be glad you did. And we're back. You know, I've always found the Japanese mass media's fascination with women founders and CEOs to be a little bit strange. The media here constantly hold up female founders as something unusual and strange, and write a steady stream of gee-whiz stories that play up their novelty. To be fair, the founders are happy to have the publicity, but I keep wondering when the Japanese media will catch on to the fact that there's nothing unusual about female founders in Japan. Now, I haven't actually counted, but I would bet that about 20% of the guests on this show have been women. 
and I frequently volunteer at Startup Weekends as a coach. And in the events that focus on college students, it's common to have one-third or more of the participants female. At some point, I suppose the media will eventually stop being amazed that things might be changing and realize that, well, things have already changed. And you know, one of the most encouraging points that Miwa made about Warris was that the majority of her clients are startups. Now, to listeners in San Francisco, London, and Singapore, this is hardly surprising. In fact, a lot of startups' early customer base are other startups. But in Japan, this is new. This is the emergence and strengthening and growth of an actual startup ecosystem. You see, until relatively recently in Japan, the only way for B2B startups to survive was to sell to large enterprises or cash-strapped mid-sized companies. Neither type of firm is exactly known for risk-taking or experimentation. But startups, ah, that's what we live for. Having enough startups in one market is essential for developing and scaling innovative products. It's the best and quickest way for products to prove themselves in the marketplace and for the companies to work the kinks out of their products. And more and more, that's what we're seeing in Tokyo. It's a great thing. If you've ever tried to go back to work after taking time off, Miwa and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 078 and let us know what you think. When you come by the site, you'll see all the links and references that Miwa and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And I want to tell you a bit about our sponsors. No, no, don't worry. We're done with the ads for today. But their sponsorship is what lets me keep producing Disrupting Japan, and most of these guys genuinely care about the startup community here. So drop by their sites, check them out, and let them know you heard about them here. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.